Welcome to my podcast. My name is Hindel Grossman, and I'm a divorce attorney with offices in Newton and Nantucket. Today I'll be speaking with Peggy Wallman, the founder and CEO of Peggy Wallman Matchmaking, based in Boston. You know, you, you have the power to create change in your life. You simply have to be proactive and go back in a second time and meet someone again. Peggy has a master's in social work and has worked over 25 years directing theater. Her professional background is rooted in helping people find their own voices. She knows how to motivate and inspire confidence to help achieve the kind of results you want in your personal search for love. So Peg, how do you suggest that people get started dating once they're divorced? Well, first, thanks, Hindel, for having me. It's nice to be here. Podcasts are fun to do, and uh, especially because you and I have recently done an event together. So I'm looking forward to sharing some, I hope, helpful advice to your listeners who are considering re-entering the dating world. And primarily, uh, our emphasis is on older adults. That's men and women 50 plus. And I think the most important piece of advice and hope, hopefully encouragement comes from reminding them that uh, you can fall in love at any, any age. Uh, Dr. Helen Fisher, I particularly like her quote, who says, our brain is like a sleeping cat waiting to be awakened at any time. You can fall in love at two and a half and 92 and a half. Your brain is always ready to fall in love. That's a wonderful quote. So encouraging. I like that. Me too. So I think my first uh, piece of advice is to be open to new possibilities. When Picasso was asked how he chose what to paint, he said, I don't seek, I find. Try to be open to men. Dating as an older adult has the benefit of your wisdom and your experience. So I encourage them to say, I'm looking for someone wonderful, and he may come in a totally unexpected package. So that requires a particular kind of openness to this experience, and that's sometimes that's hard for women to grab onto, also hard for men, because they come, we all come with preconceived expectations of the kind of person that we're looking for. Yes, for sure. So I like to tell them to forget their lists, to think more about who they need and less about who they want, to think about the kind of people who make you happy, penthouse people, not people who drag you down. They need to consider who they're going to be in that relationship, what it is they will bring to the relationship, rather than always thinking about who the other person is going to be. Imagine these are tough lessons for people to understand and apply after years of having expectations. There's often a, a lot of uh, discussion about that because, and of course some people have their deal breakers, one or two, but when you can narrow a list down from 20 to one or two, that's a, a totally different ball game. Do you discourage lists completely? Well, you know, everyone, we all have in our head sort of lists of whatever it is that we think that we're looking for. But yes, I think, you know, I, we have a wonderful story of a woman who probably came with the longest list and the most detailed list I'd ever seen. And, you know, trying to, her, to have her incorporate that phrase and to say, I'm looking for someone wonderful, and he may come in an unexpected package. And she actually... Uh, was taken by a 
manager in Radio Shack. She was a highly educated, high-profile woman. And he was just lovely to her and a very attractive guy. And she came back and she told us. And she said, oh, my gosh, this guy is he was just the nicest guy. And so I encouraged her to go back in there and talk to him. You're not going to marry him. You just thought he was a nice guy. And you obviously thought he was very attractive. And they ended up going out for drinks and then dinner. And they spent lots and lots of wonderful times together. He was a little bit uh, older than she was. He, this was not his first profession. So he was a little more grounded than just working perhaps his first job at Radio Shack or something. But he was a terrific guy and he was a musician and she loved music. And it was just this totally unexpected package because she was open to considering what it would be like just to get to know this person, not to think that she's going to marry him, but just to get to know him. So he was something more than he initially appeared. Clearly, which I think is always the, always the case. Yes. And, uh, you know, you, you have the power to create change in your life. You know, you, you simply have to be proactive and go back in a second time and meet someone that you thought you may have liked and may not have liked, but what would be the advantages of seeing someone again and learning out, learning more about them? So I, I like uh, uh, single people to approach people that they would like to ask to, quote, fix them up, rather than ask them to fix them up, to simply say, if you know someone who you think might like to meet me, I hope you will keep me in mind. And I believe you can say that to anybody, anywhere. And are Nicely said. I, I, I like that. And we have a you know, a classic story that I tell all the time about a woman who at a wedding simply got up and made a toast and said, you know, I haven't met my Mr. Right yet, but I hope someday I can meet someone as wonderful as my friend Shirley. And sure enough, at the end of the day, a gentleman comes up to her and said, I loved what you said. And it was very brave of you. And I'm married, but I have a cousin who I think you might like to meet. And sure enough, that he introduced them, and that was the end of that. So being proactive and getting out there and is key. So she created an opportunity for herself. Exactly. And I always say, you know, luck happens when preparation meets opportunity. <laughs> You're full of great expressions. Yeah, little sound bites. Yeah, they're <laughs> so meaningful, though. Well, I, I think that, you know, they're, they're sincere. I think that, uh, uh, you know, you have to be prepared. You would be prepared if you were looking for a job. You have to be prepared for dating, for what you want to say on dates, how you want to present yourself, what your brand is. Uh, I think that that's pretty key. And see yourselves as confident, spectacular women. How does a person brand themselves? Well, I think you brand yourself uh, with your appearance clearly sometimes women say to me um, I had a woman once at a talk who raised her hand and she said well I don't agree with you at all about looking your best um, whenever you go out because I want someone to see me in my sweats at the supermarket with my hair pulled back and you know no makeup and I want that's the real me and I want him to see the real me and my response to that is let him get to know you first and then see the real you but that if you are looking for someone in your life, every day you get up, you should try to look your best, whatever that means to you. But that you're not 
casual about it and that you care about your physical appearance, your image, and also how you address people, what you choose to talk about, um, being friendly, approaching people you don't know, simply with the most simple word in the English language, simply saying hello to people. Mm -hmm. You don't have mm -hmm. to say anything else. Hello is a wonderful word. It might lead to further conversation. It might not. But you'd be surprised how much better people feel when they've just said hello. You mean even to strangers, to open conversations? Absolutely. Uh -huh. I think so wonderful. People always look so surprised when somebody says hello. You know, not as much in airports or train stations or, but, you know, every day if you're, and certainly those situations are a given that you, you should make an effort to talk to the people who surround you. How do you suggest to uh, people that you're coaching through dating, uh, how to avoid the anxiety or the nervousness of dating? Well, I think, you know, it's a little bit like those uh, lyrics of the song, you know, uh, pick yourself up, take a deep breath, dust yourself off and start all over again. Uh -huh. Breathing is important no matter for all of us in every single endeavor that we do. And I say before you go on a date, you kind of draw that into yourself, take a deep breath, and really decide before you go a little bit of what it is you want to share with someone. If you, what it is about yourself that you really want someone to know that you're going to meet. Something valuable, something you care about, something about which you're passionate. Otherwise, evenings can drift into these sort of meaningless conversations. You know, so have a 30-second elevator speech so that, you know, I'd like to, t if he doesn't say, tell me about yourself, you know, I'd, I'd like to tell you a little bit about myself. As so you offer that. Mm -hmm. Offer that up as a, as, a, as a possibility. And it isn't as important what you say as you're listening to how he acknowledges what you say. He's looking off into the other direction or he's, you know, checking his phone or he's looking at the menu or he, he can't resonate with what it is that you've expressed, you know, then you have to, you have to sort of weigh that a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, perhaps you might open it up then for him to talk a little bit about himself. But generally how people acknowledge and appreciate other people's conversations can tell you a lot. You know, it's funny, I often say as a divorce attorney that I have adults as clients, but sometimes there are children inside. They may look like they're adults, but they don't act like adults. I imagine it's the same thing with dating. Some people are insecure inside, lack self-confidence to have, you know, conversation with strangers. Absolutely. Uh, and they, they actually need, you know, scripting sometimes and really mock dates and see what it feels like you know if someone is saying something that is rude to you or doesn't resonate with you you know how do you want to deal with that during an evening do you want to just let it go and write him off as someone that you don't want to be with or write her off or you know is there a way that you can address something that that didn't feel comfortable for you by simply going back to it and saying you know gee mentioned something a few minutes ago and it didn't quite resonate with me and I'd love to go back to that with you and just talk about it. Yeah, those are those are good lessons because people are quick to bail on p potential opportunities if something un is uncomfortable. Absolutely. It's amazing to me how one single sentence can feel like it's a bailout without having explored it. You know, we often use the, the phrase from... Uh, 
Grease, the musical Grease. <laughs> uh -huh. Tell me more. Tell me more. So if he's saying something that doesn't quite resonate, at the very least, find out more about it. Say, tell me more. I'd like to know more about what that means. Well, I love your musical written theater references. They really fit in nicely. <laughs> Oh, thanks. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of good music and a lot of good lyrics out there. Right. Right. So, to, to, and speaking of tell me more, why don't you, I ask you to tell me more about um, maybe online dating and how that impacts how you coach people. Well, it may not sound very romantic, but finding love is a numbers game. And not to include online dating along with whatever offline resources that you have it would be a terrible mistake. There, are, In 2015, there were 54 million singles online. You're only looking for one. I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying that people always tell the truth or that there's not a lot of rejection and that it, you have to be very patient. All of this, that is true, but it is an important resource for people. Uh, at least, you know, I, be I believe that it's certainly not something that you can uh, bypass. You need to, you need to be there. Uh, and while you're online, you need to have a terrific standout profile. It can't be something you and your girlfriends have kind of whipped off in 10 minutes or maybe a da your daughter gave you some great things to write. But these have to be pretty polished and also, in my view, very discerning so that they can filter out those people who you're really not interested in. And when people say to us all the time, I've had this wonderful profile up and I never get responses from people I like. For me, that's just an obvious statement that your profile, it doesn't tell people enough about who you are to attract the people that you want to attract. So what are some good things to say in a profile? Can you give some examples? Yeah, well, I think you're telling a personal story from your own experience. Mm -hmm. So if you say, you know, I still remember the time my grandfather took me to Fenway Park to see the Red Sox, and I've been a devoted fan ever since, then you're talking about the Red Sox, you're talking about your grandfather, and you're not saying, I love sports. I think, you know, these generic uh, sentences, I love music, I love walking on the beach, and, you know, I love sunsets and I love you know big hiking and reading and movies and they really don't tell anybody anybody anything about you the movies that you like maybe not be the movies at all that the person that you're looking at likes the kinds of books that you read uh, what where are the beaches that you love to go to what kind of hiking you know it's such a generic term so I say you know if you're not going to be really specific about what it is that you want to say, then don't say it. Uh, so you really have to convey a lot of personality in the way you describe yourself then. Yes, and I think it has to be specific to you. If, if you love opera or you love The Grateful Dead, you have to say. And if you love both, say you love both. And I think the same thing is true with eliminating all the empty adjectives that people use, you know cheerful and fun-loving and adventurous and, you know, it, it just it, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything and I think a couple of the more heavy-duty ones when you say I'm funny and I'm honest 
people, nobody's really going to know if you're funny and you're honest until they're actually with you and they meet you and they talk to you. So I think it's really show, don't tell. Tell stories that reveal something about yourself, about a time where you had to make a hard choice that had to do with your values of being on honest or some tell a story and have it contain some element of humor if you believe that you're a person who's genuinely funny. Uh, but you need to create the filters on with your online profile if you're going to attract the kind of uh, men or women that you want to meet. So do you help clients write their profile? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a major, major part of what we do. A lot of questions and a lot of time is spent creating profiles. And, you know, to be honest, uh, sometimes we'll put a profile out there that we think is fabulous. And it's still not getting either enough response or the kind of response that we hoped it would get. And so we go back to the drawing board and tweak it again, make it better until it's working. Hmm. So what's the process of interviewing your client to get enough information to write a, write a profile for them? Well, Richard actually has a uh, quite an in-depth uh, list of questions that he uh, gives to clients. Um, and they answer the questions and then they review them to they review the answers together and they do have to do with people's tastes people's interests people's families people's experiences travel but they're quite specific and then together they pick out which are the ones that are relevant you can't say everything about yourself and you don't want to profile should shouldn't be more than you know 300 350 words you want to leave people wanting more really looking forward to learning more about you from reading your profile, not having read every single thing about you. And sometimes that's the hardest thing for us. <laughs> Just Would you tell our listeners who Richard is, please? I'm sorry. Sure. <laughs> so Richard is my husband who works with me, and uh, he's a clinical psychologist, and he's had a lot of experience with uh, interviewing and being with uh, people in a uh, an, a setting that affords and offers offers them the opportunity to be really honest and self-aware. And so it helps people to feel comfortable to share about themselves more truthful and uh, honest expressions of who they are, who they want to be in a relationship, and what kind of a relationship that they're looking for, and to describe themselves in a way that they can feel both good about and mostly completely honest about. And since you and Richard have been married for 50 years, you set a pretty good example of how you two have made a relationship work. Right. And I, you know, relationships are complicated. They are, you know, I, I always uh, refer to Nora Ephron when a journalist asked her, why do you only write about relationships? And she said, is there anything else? And <laughs> really, I believe relationships are the core of our existence and they require you know, communication and compromise and honesty and reevaluation and, you know, really uh, commitment, commitment to what it means to be in a relationship. You know, if a, one of your clients was in a bad relationship or is divorced, imagine it's hard for them to envision themselves in a, although they're hopeful, but to envision themselves in a positive relationship and maybe seek to find people who have traits that are very different from what they left behind. Right. Yes. I think sometimes uh, 
both men and women who've come out of contentious divorces um, and have really uh, faced enormous challenges. They feel, they're pretty convinced about what they don't want and what the kind of person they don't want to be with. And similarly, when uh, we have widows and widowers and um, marriages that were successful, and they will often say, I'm looking for the same kind of love and the same kind of person I was married to, and I, I want that's the kind of person I want to be with. But truthfully, uh, each individual person that you meet in the world is so unique, and no, and every new relationship is a new experience. And the trick is how you can leave some of that baggage at home and know that not every the person that you end up with may in fact have some uh, some parts of similar uh, personality features to the person that you fell in love with mm -hmm. in life and probably because that was there were things about that person and that personality that appealed to you then that are likely to appeal to you now and so i again i tell people try to forget your lists and there are there are no guarantees when a lot of women who felt that men have been disloyal or men who felt that women were disloyal to them, uh, you know, there's no guarantees that in one form or another, that same experience may not happen, may happen again in your life. And you, you can't protect against every experience. You just have to be open to the fact that this is a new experience with a new person. So do you think while people are dating, they should ask the question uh, why the other person got divorced? And should they expect an honest answer? I think the big, uh, um, the most important part of that question is when in the relationship, not if. And do I think that's an early on question? No. I think that if someone, if your date wants to talk about that, and I think that you know, is maybe a segue into another piece of dating that I think is so important. But no, I think that's an incredibly intrusive question. And that you are likely early on in a relationship not to get an answer that you're going to like or that you're going to believe or that there's going to be enough in information for you to maybe assess whether or not you even liked the answer. So for me, that goes back to so many men who say to us, and women, quite frankly, but mostly men, that women ask so many questions that men feel like they're just, they're, you know, they're on a witness stand. <laughs> they're being somehow a prosecuting attorney. They are asking and asking and asking questions about everything. And if, you know, basically, we believe that asking questions is a way of shifting the responsibility from something that you're interested in and you're expecting someone else to talk about it. And if you want to talk about it, then you have to make I statements and you have to talk about it in relation to your own life. If talking about your divorce you think is an important thing to find out early on when you're with someone, then you might say, you know, this is only our third date together, but I feel as if I'd like to tell you something about my divorce and say something about your own divorce experience. But asking someone about his or her divorce experience 
is, in my view, completely shifting the responsibility. And you're not likely to get an answer that's going to satisfy you because it wasn't his or her agenda. It's your agenda. That's a brilliant approach and a good suggestion. So in addition to um, feeling interrogated, are there any other no-nos, things that people shouldn't do on dates? Well, you know, I tend to think more positively. I would say a real plus on dates is to think about complimenting your date almost right away. Is there anybody in the world who doesn't appreciate a compliment and that you're creating a mood when you compliment someone, either on their choice of a restaurant or you look, you know, love what they, their jacket that they're wearing or whatever, color of your eyes are so interesting. I don't care how personal or how impersonal it is, but try to think of something that is an, an honest and authentic compliment. And you'll be surprised how that sort of lifts the weight for people and they're they're suddenly smiling and they're thinking, oh, that was such a nice thing to say. And uh, I think another piece, and this maybe applies uh, more to women often than to men, but maybe not, maybe equally, is the notion that uh, how often men say to us, she was so funny and so attractive and interesting and smart I would hire her in a minute, but I wouldn't want to marry her. And I say, can you tell me more about that? What does that mean? And what I think that means in today's world is that we have somehow promoted this level of confidence for women. And I'm a big believer in confidence. But I am also firmly believe that being aware of your own vulnerability and where that sits inside you and how you express that on dates is going to make you a much more appealing and attractive date than if you are coming across completely uh, confident and you know self-assured about everything and your job is great and your family's great and your friends are great and you know and you're so busy all the time which is another problem because men so often think to themselves gosh they're so busy how would I even fit into this? Mm. I don't even fit into her life. Uh -huh. She's busy all the time. But I, I think that that, uh, you know, that it's a very fine line. Uh, I, I really, uh, I, I'm a fan of Brene Brown's. So I'm, mm -hmm. uh, who's a wonderful author who writes about vulnerability and talks about how it's really the root of authenticity and creativity and trust and, so, you know, you may think of something that you want to share, you know, not right away and not on the first date, but that's something that puts it out there where you're expressing some part of yourself that it may be a little bit unexpected, but gives someone an opportunity to really get to know you. Uh, so being vulnerable means being a little bit revealing about something personal. I think it means being revealing. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that it, you know, it's a source of hope and empathy and accountability and authenticity. It, it's all those things. And it, it doesn't, it's not weakness. I think, you know, sometimes we confuse that word, uh, vulnerability, and somehow think that it's rooted in, in weakness. And I don't, I don't think it is at all. I think it's much more, you know, rooted in 
love and belonging and courage and creativity. It just is, it's just about sharing an experience in your life and how, how you mastered it. And that's not weakness. Mm, it's like sharing a human experience. Exactly. And if you mm -hmm. read, uh, you know, Brene, Brene Brown's most recent book, that's really, she, she tells this whole story, which is actually the same story that I heard when she, that she delivered to 15,000 attendees at a HubSpot conference in 2015, which was a whole story about her and her husband of 25 years and a misinterpretation of, of an event that they had together and how staunch they both were about it and how they had to come to terms with what was really going on. And mm. how they wanted to improve that communication with each other. Uh huh. It was our personal experience. Personal experience. And that new book is called A Rising Strong. I'm sorry, A Rising What? Just Rising Strong ah. is the title of her newest book. Okay. Wonderful. That's a good referral. Something for people to read to learn how to be better, more vulnerable. Right. So, what other tips do you have, if anything, about dating successfully? I, I think the most important, you know, we've covered most of the important things. I think that uh, being open, being honest, you know, being patient, being persistent, being proactive, being uh, kind, being thoughtful, trying not to be judgmental, being hopeful, you know, being in the moment, staying in the moment. Uh, we all have voices in our heads that take us to these strange places about what somebody really meant when they said something or something we didn't trust or something we wanted to remember to question about what they wrote online because it didn't sound honest or whatever it is. But taking all of those past experiences and trying to bury them for, for that date and to be as absolutely present and in the moment as you can be. Because that's really all you have. That's all you have is that moment. Yeah, that was wonderfully said. And you only have three seconds. You have, yeah. you know, to, to, to make a first impression. So right. make a great first impression. Yeah, for sure. So are, do you and Richard have conversations about people and think about who they're be best suited for in a way that people don't understand about themselves? Uh, no, I would say that most of those conversations are, we try to be pretty open with the people we're working with about, uh, you know, we have a wonderful young woman now. She's not quite 50. She had a difficult divorce. She has children. She's brilliant. She's beautiful. You know, trying to help her sift through all of the people that she is attracted to and who are attracted to her and all the wonderful times and just sort of learning more about herself. But I think being open with our clients about certain patterns that we see, you know, we all know that if we things new things don't happen unless we do things differently and how we can create change and if you keep doing things the same way you keep getting the same results so we we try to you know work with our clients to see how you can get some different results by making some changes and it's not always easy no i imagine not so you make some observations about the clients and make suggestions about how they can approach their dating exactly. differently by getting feedback uh, from them about their dates and 
often from their dates, we'll ask for feedback. If it's someone we didn't know and it's someone they met online, sometimes it's more difficult, but you'd be surprised how often someone will reveal some helpful information to us and give us a tip and then we'll take that back to a client. Uh, actually, the uh, woman I trained with, Rachel Greenwald in Denver, Colorado, who's probably the foremost matchmaker in the country, and is a wonderful person. And she wrote a book that I actually, we give to clients called Have Him at Hello. And she did as her research project at, at Harvard Business School, she researched why a thousand men don't call women back. Oh. It was, it's, it's fascinating. And she helps you kind of identify and uh, define yourself as a dater sort of your dating personality, are you a closer, are you a, you know, she has a lot of, of different categories, and, you know, you might not fit into only one, you may fit into several, but I think it's a, a terrific uh, beginning for people who are, are dating at, at any age. It's maybe more geared to younger people, but for at any age, it's a wonderful way to think about who you are on a date and why someone may or may not want to ask you out again. Very interesting book. So do you have some sense when you meet someone of what kind of person is best for them? Or is that something that you let evolve over time and let the client figure out on their own? I would say sometimes a little of both. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll think to myself, my gosh, I think these two people would be absolutely wonderful together. They share so many common interests, they're both so attractive, they uh, have similar life experiences, I can't wait for them to meet. And then, of course, I'm totally disappointed when it doesn't work <laughs> out. And, and I have... As is I one just, of them, probably. <laughs> yes, and, and then I have to sort of, you know, reevaluate what I kind of thought going into it and listen really closely to what both people have to say so that maybe the next one is a... a a more accurate, you know, introduction. But I do do believe that every single date should be, you can find something interesting about someone. I mean, are, are there those rare stories that I hear about, you know, I was out of there in 10 minutes, of course. But basically, practicing yourself on a date is as important as what you think about your date. So if you view those experiences as practice and come home and sort of think about, hmm, I, I thought I did really well tonight and I, I, had, I learned a lot about him and I learned some things about myself and I, I feel better prepared even to meet the, whoever the next person is. Mm -hmm. But use date, dating can be fun. It's, I think it doesn't have to be a chore. It, that meeting people should be fun and interesting, but that you have to be a participant to make that happen. And I think uh, for both men and for women, but for different reasons, they kind of sit back and think of themselves as the person who's making the decision about what the next step is. Mm -hmm. And for many people, what's in their heads is not even what should be, which is only, do you want to go out on a second date with this person? not thinking about whether or not you want to spend the rest of your life with this person. Mm -hmm. And those are those crazy voices. Mm -hmm. Is this someone to spend the rest of my life with? It's, it's, it doesn't make sense that, at that point. 
No, it's the theory that I have too with people divorcing is it's take this in baby steps. And you're right, it's easier to bite off a chunk one little bit at a time. Absolutely. And in the dating sequence, get to know them a little bit at a time. It's interesting. Do you have an opinion about um, forms of communication that is texting, emails, phone, that kind of thing? Well, it's it's so incredibly complicated. The other the other speaker at that HubSpot conference was Aziz Ansari, uh-huh. who wrote Modern Romance, which is hysterical. It is, and you know, really, uh, I mean, I try to encourage people to save texting for logistics and emergencies. I'm going to be late or whatever it is, and you know, it's it's a, a little bit unrealistic now because it's just what everybody does and how everybody communicates. I certainly don't think a first date about a first, you know, that you should be texting, asking someone out on a first date. I think the phone is wonderful. I think email is wonderful. Uh, and I, I think talking about texting can be a terrific conversation on a date because you learn a lot about people and how they how they feel about it and how they use it and at least understanding that you both see how nuanced it is and that I have people that come in and the difference between thank you thank you it was a lovely evening thank you very much it was a lovely evening thank you very much it was a a lovely evening I look forward to seeing you again Thank you very much. It was a lovely evening. Hope to see you soon. I mean, every one of these is is so easily misinterpreted and so nuanced by someone you don't know at all. Mm-hmm. And so you have no idea what that person means when he, he or she says that. And uh, that's why I think it's not the best, it's not the best way. And, you know, al- along with that, I think, you know, in terms of email communication with online profiles, you know, there there's no such thing as an online relationship. These are, you don't want a non-productive pen pal relationship with somebody. People get into these long-winded emails and they make absolutely, have no impact on where the relationship might go. There's only one goal of an email communication online and that's to meet in person. And I don't really care if it's the guy that says it or the woman that says it. Someone has to say, I look forward to meeting you. Yes, I've heard people talk about um, those communications that just are endless and they just go on and, and never meet. And it seems silly, but some people reach out just to have kind of a pen pal or communication with someone out there in the world. Absolutely. I mean, if, th- if that's what they're you know, uh, looking for, then that can be very comforting and wonderful. The, the problem comes, and we have this with a woman in Chicago where, you know, she was in communication with, a, sounded like such an interesting man, and they were both in the art world, and oh my gosh, it went on for so long, so many different things, but he wasn't uh, in this country at the time, and so they couldn't meet, and blah, blah. Anyway, it, it ended up he was you know, not an honest person at all. He had misrepresented himself in, in, himself in many ways, and it was heartbreaking for her. Well, it's easy. It's easier to misrepresent yourself if you never meet, I imagine. Certainly, very. I mean, people mi- misrepresent themselves in person too, but 
uh, it's a lot harder. Yeah, yeah. So interesting, all these dynamics between strangers. Yeah, and, and it's it's so true, and they, they, they are strangers, and that's why whether, when often, uh, you know, women will say, and I think you and I heard this even with respect to our event, you know, I, I had a woman write me, and she just said, you know, it sounds like a great evening, but quite frankly, I'm really not interested in meeting other women. Mm. Uh, I am just a firm believer that everybody you meet each and every person is an opportunity to meet someone else. And it might be your special someone, you know, the man of your dreams, but that you should not give up on opportunities to meet new people. In fact, you have to put it on your calendar, you know, three times a week that you met someone new and how you met them and, you know, what was it like and what did you talk about? And that's really, I think, the beginning of, being in a new relationship with someone is setting that groundwork by being out in the world a little bit. It was very interesting from the program last week that we did at Davio's that um, women connected with each other and agreed to go out with each other um, in the dating world. And it was a wonderful outcome from the evening. People exchanged email addresses and, and made plans together. I loved that. And really, you are only one degree of separation away from meeting that special someone. It only takes one person who says, I think I might know someone who might like to meet you. But you're never going to find that person if you don't venture out. Yeah. And if you go to the same supermarkets and you have coffee in your kitchen and whatever it is, same gym, same times, whatever it is every week, then it's it's not likely to happen, at least in the you know, offline world may still happen online, but you you really need to capture the the newness of this experience and the possibilities that await you. This has been fascinating, Peg. So thanks so much for speaking with me today. I'm going to put your um, contact information on the website and people can contact you directly at Peg Wallman Matchmaking. What a fascinating world you're in putting people together. Well, thank you. And you, uh, you know, yours certainly is too. I think having, having guidance and someone in your corner when you're going through those difficult times, there's probably, you know, nothing of greater value to help someone who's empathetic and who is caring and knowledgeable at the same time. So I, uh, I know how, how much men and women value their attorneys during that process. I know firsthand. Well, thank you very much for the compliment. It's funny, you know, I um, I help people separate f- in their marriages and divorce in their marriages, and then and you, then they're eligible for matchmaking. So exactly, so you, make, <laughs> you make a good team. If you can make their experience positive, as positive as possible, they can come into this experience with the kind of positivity that they need. Because one thing's for sure. There is no room for negativity in this business. Well, I can assure you, most of my clients are very eager to get into the dating world. They're suffering so much pain, and they look forward to having positive experiences with other prospective people and relationships. I'll bet they are. All right, thank you very much. We'll speak to you another day. Thank you, Hinda. Bye-bye, Peg. Bye-bye. If you'd like more information about the topics covered in our podcast, please contact us at Grossman & Associates. 
you'll find a confident and experienced team of compassionate, responsive, and innovative legal professionals. Email me at hindell at grossmanltd.com. My first name is spelled H-I-N-D-E-L-L. Or call us at 617-969-0069. Thank you for listening.